it's a thank you uh, to every single one of them for all they did to help us accomplish these goals. As long as I've been on council, I've never seen uh, the goals, as many goals set and accomplished in a two-year term. Sherlock here for Franklin Matters, Franklin Public Radio, anywhere on the internet, WFPR.FM, and in the local Franklin Mass FM radio dial 102.9. We have a special episode today, the year-end review for 2023. Where did it go? But anyway, we'll get to that. But we've got our town administrator, Jamie Helen. Jamie, how are you doing today? Fantastic, Steve. Ready for the holiday week. Oh, good. We've got our deputy administrator, Amy Frigoletti. Amy, how are you doing today? I'm wonderful, Steve. Thank you. And of course, town council chair, because we normally would do a council quarterbacking. Tom Mercer, how are you doing today, Tom? Living the dream, Steve. Living the dream, as always. Absolutely. <laughs> and there's a lot of dreams going to come through over the next few days, holidays, Absolutely. right? Yep. <laughs> Hopefully Definitely. everybody will get their wish lists come through. My my wish list is to sleep in, <laughs> and have and have no and have no phone calls. No phone calls. Yes. <laughs> my my wish list is pretty simple. I think. But so is mine. Speedy recovery. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Speedy recovery, and hopefully the weather is going to cooperate with us, which will be a key piece given what we have had. It looks like no no snow in the forecast. No white Christmas. You know, we yeah, can deal that's... with that. Yeah, disappointed. I'm a finance. I'm a. Okay. I'm disappointed in like the chair and no white Christmas because it's beautiful. But um, as all the listeners know, I'm a I'm a finance guy, <laughs> so uh, any way we can avoid spending big bucks, you know, I'm all in favor of. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and uh, the DPW small money is always a good thing. Right. That's right. Well, and the DPW staff, having done what they've done to recover and help recover from the storm that we just went through, uh, they need a break as well. So we don't need snow. Yeah. Nope. All in agreement on that one. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So we'll kind of go through and skip over some things if we need to. But um, there was another key recognition last night. Uh, Ken Norman stepping down from the Board of Assessors after four terms, 16 years, plus a few other committees here and there. Absolutely. Uh, and it's always good for uh, the council to get an opportunity to uh, thank uh, some of these volunteer people that uh, put the give of their time and efforts and knowledge uh to the community and ken is a classic example of somebody who's given many many years to the town uh just because he loves his community so it was a great uh, opportunity for the council to say thank you uh chris feely who's the chair of the uh board of assessors um asked to uh, read the proclamation. So we had Chris read it. Jeff Roy was there with uh, recognition from both the House and Senate as well. So uh, it was a great opportunity to say thank you to Ken. 
Yeah, he, he doesn't totally go away. He'll still, he yeah. has his fingers in there, at least on. Uh, none, of it, none of us totally go away. <laughs> he just be, he'd become a little less active, but he's still yeah. on the board at the TV radio studio. So, yeah, yeah. amongst other uh, things. Yes. Yeah. It's like when I got here almost almost 10 years ago now, I it's it's strange to see folks like Ken not on the board because I think to the chair's point, you know, he's just an institution of his own volunteerism. I mean, the, the finance committee and, um, and the, the TV station, I mean, Franklin TV, I mean, he's just been so charitable with his time. And I'd obviously be remiss if we didn't thank him for his service to our country in the United States military. Mm -hmm. He's a veteran and, yes. uh, you know, wonderful family and just yeah. a, a wonderful guy. And um, as, as Tom said, you know, you know, give Chris Feely and the Board of Assessors a lot of credit. They um, wanted to really recognize him and, and contacted us about it. And it was great to see him. I don't get to see him as much anymore, Steve, you know, but it was great to see, uh, it was great to see him and, uh, and his wife uh, and they looked really happy. So it was nice to see. Yes, for sure. Yeah, and it was interesting too, just to highlight um, the number of, I, how many building committee was, was he's on? Tom, is he in terms of numbers of committees a, a challenge to your? I know you've got leadership of building committees. He's getting, but... he's getting close. I'm not sure he's quite there yet, but he's getting close. <laughs> that was one thing that stuck out because I was aware of a couple of them. But it was like, really? Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that one. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that one too. Really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Took Nancy and our town clerk to do a little research to dig in to get all those appointments from all, all those years. Uh, mm -hmm. It's just a, it's just been a fixture in this town. I think Tom will oh. agree for, for decades. And, Absolutely, uh, yeah. you know. And and I also be remiss if I didn't, you know, acknowledge the fact uh, that Cheryl has stepped up to be on the board of assessors, and you know, she's an assessor uh, in Hopedale and lives in Franklin, and we're grateful that she's. Uh, aptly been able to step into his place that's a tough board to be a part of and you really need somebody qualified and knowledgeable and um, ken certainly provided that and it's great to see cheryl there as well yeah. yeah when i retired that was the first meeting that i really wanted to get to because i had heard about mm -hmm. it but it was always thursday mornings at 10 o'clock and it was like i can never do it while i was working or nine i forget whatever it is but i went there and then i realized it was only like a 10 or 15 minute public portion and then everything yep. else is in executive session because of the nature of the discussions and the assessment yep. and challenges, et cetera, et cetera. So it was the last meeting I ever went to, and I fully understand why. <laughs> but yeah, the you might have been the last do, person to participate in a meeting at a board of assessors too. They don't, I, I they don't really have, get a big crowd <laughs> unless unless somebody was there to do to you know address their particular challenge, right. et cetera. Right. But yeah, absolutely, right. yeah. It's critical work. And as we've talked in other sessions, you know, that's effectively the cash register for the town. So, yeah, yep. critical. Yep, absolutely. Another cash register aspect, the, the annual <coughs> all alcohol license approvals. Um, that's always a good generator for business in the town as well. So, yeah. Absolutely. Something that we have to do annually as a licensing authority, uh, you know, and they're... Uh, we approve them, they need to be approved before the start of the year. So we approve them, but uh, the town also holds uh, the licenses or Jamie or Amy will hold those licenses until uh, all compliance issues have been cleared by the respective departments uh, before they're actually handed out. But uh, 
I think we're in really pretty good shape as we approach the end of the year. I think there's only a few, few that we're just waiting on uh, one clearance or another from one of the uh, departments. And Councillor Jones is just getting into a good rhythm, uh, Mr. <laughs> Chairman. He, he just busts through that list as quick as possible. We give Councillor for Joe a lot of credit for trying to waive the reading. Yeah, but yeah, absolutely. Legally, absolutely. Legally, you know, yeah. he, he's starting to pick up on the techniques. But, uh, you know, Glenn, really, the first year he did these, it took a while, but he's really got a good rhythm going. Yeah. So it's exactly. a pretty quick item on the agenda. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's one that was lengthy and now uh, we've streamlined it a little bit. So uh, it's a good thing. Yeah, and I think the, the nuance within that, that, you know, there are some readings that clearly you can waive the reading because it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to go through the nits and dits and dits and all the paragraphs. But in that case, in its shorter version, it really re is required anyway because of the, the nature. It only happens once a year. Yeah, it's a bylaw. We have to we have to read them. So, uh, or by charter. Mm -hmm. So, hence uh, why we do. But some of the bylaws, uh, when we wa waive the readings, in some cases, we've had the discussions whether it be during a public hearing or the first reading. Mm -hmm. So, by the time it gets to the second reading, uh, you know, it's it's pretty safe to uh, waive the reading. And then sometimes I put Jamie or Amy on the spot and say, give us a quick summary rather, you know, after we vote to waive the reading. And most of the time uh, they can give a, a, a rather quick summary. Sometimes Jamie's summaries are a little longer than most, but give the devil his due. <laughs> just want to make sure the public is well aware right, right. In, in case and you always and you always do james yeah you want to make sure it's thorough yes <laughs> and it's hard i would note steve really quickly on the liquor licenses I, mm -hmm. I do for the listeners out there from a business development standpoint um just so it's not bureaucracy i, I do want to know we 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 have more liquor licenses um, in restaurants operating with licenses in Franklin than we did before the pandemic. So a lot of Amy's work coming up will be focusing on how to continue to harness that. Um, you know, the fact that Franklin is a very unique community where we don't have a quota with the state. So we can yes. actually give out liquor licenses with approval from the council um, without having to go through a tedious, long, year-long process with the legislature. Mm -hmm. um, some genius elected officials back in the 80s uh, here in Franklin, um, designated Franklin as a community without a quota, which is a cap, um, which most of the state of Massachusetts struggles with to get a lot of business development. And I think, you know, one of the things that's really kind of cool from the pandemic is a lot of communities did lose a lot of businesses, um, you know, from that. And actually, in Franklin's case, we were actually able to increase the amount of businesses that operating with restaurant liquor licenses. So, um you know, so the list has gotten a little longer. There's still a few businesses that are transitioning, um, you know, uh, uh, in the next year. But still, I think that's a really good you know, news for the town of Franklin. And, and hopefully we can build on that. Yeah, build on it for sure. And I think as we go through and I know we've talked about it here before, but that is an economic benefit for the town and for the businesses. So it's almost like we should put up a sign, you know, uh, with 
instead of just the exits, you know, get your restaurant alcohol license here, <laughs> you know, because effectively, <laughs> as long as they bring in a restaurant or, or business similar, effectively, we've got the all alcohol license for them as opposed to trying to be in Boston and then they just can't. One of the reasons why Amy's here is because of her efforts on these issues, different stuff, but in the town of Wellesley in the same position. And I think she also acknowledges that this is a huge boon for the Franklin. That's probably an untapped resource. You know, I mean, we really should be getting that message out there to the business communities. Agreed. Having been in Boston and having to go through the legislative process to expand the number of licenses and then having been in Wellesley and having to, you know, look at their all of their alcohol licenses and trying to use, you know, their regulations and 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 kind of uh, change their regulations in order to create more ec economic vibrancy to come here and not have that cap was is really, really helpful when you're trying to bring in new businesses and look at different business models uh, where people want to use that as an economic development tool. So look forward to doing that in the new year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and with uh, Metro West Visitors Bureau also rebranding to add Boston to their name um, because people tend to think of Boston, and but not necessarily Metro West. That gives us another kind of an entree there to the extent that, oh, by the way, when you start coming out here, and I think they've even done a few kind of itineraries, I think they term it, where you can, you know, visit a museum, visit a restaurant. And fortunately, mm -hmm. we've got both the winery, the distillery, and the brewery. So we can add to that. And then as we add more and more restaurants, that can be also, you know, talking points. So we can be very much a destination location. Definitely. And then moving into some other good business, uh, you had the town council approve the next set of ARPA funds through the county. And then also notified us that you've got some opera direct funds that are going to get put to good use. Go ahead, Jamie. I'll let you take the lead on this. Your summary was very well done last night. Thanks, Tom. The um, yeah, I mean, I think for I speak for Tom and Amy. I think personally as much as professionally too, and I think I I hopefully speak on behalf of the whole council and. You know, I mean, in the mental health related issues in, in our community, as well as the state, nation, world, you know, are just becoming its own pandemic almost. Um, a third of all of our calls for service at the police department are mental health related. Um, I'll state that again for emphasis, a third. Um, you know, we're talking about thousands of calls for service uh, on mental health. So, um you know, this has been an issue that's, you know, professionally and personal for, I think, all of us. Um, and it's rewarding that there was a model out there, Steve, called um, the Jail Diversion Program mm -hmm. that they put out many years ago. You may be, yep. I think listeners are familiar with it. And, you know, the, the difficulty with that is you have to apply every year and you have to get a staff member on. And it's it's a bit of a challenge from the state regulations. But um, we were able to um, get approval for uh, about 560000 in funds to hire an additional mental health clinician to the two we already have and finance all three of them for three calendar years. And it's essentially a, 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 a pilot program, if you will, um, that we're kind of uniquely trying here within our police department where our mental health counselors actually go out in the police cruisers. They have bulletproof vests, they have gear, they do not have firearms, but they have gear 
um, and they go out to a lot of calls um, and we're trying to get into that kind of um, you know, community policing, community paramedicine models that have kind mm-hmm. of been all over and kind of talked about, but um, and trying to see over the next few years, if, if the community invested in this permanently, you know, would we be able to one, reduce the calls for service, which frees up the police for other more extreme things like power outages and, you know, a lot of other issues in the community in 495. And then two, and I think probably equally as important, if not more important, is just to try to see if you know, maybe we can get a lot of those folks in their own homes with their own families, you know, more educated and better connected to um, physicians and um, and uh, connected to services. Um, the Milford Regional Hospitals made no bones about it, as well as almost every hospital. I think Amy can speak to this in Boston as well. Um, you know, the ERs are flooded mm-hmm. um, with a lot of mental health calls. Ambulances are flooded with calls. Um, relative to mental health issues, anxiety, depression, um, you know, a whole series of mental health related illnesses. Um, you know, and I, I think we all acknowledge it's a tough world out there these days. And so, um, you know, appreciate the council support, the chief of police, the county. In fact, Tom and Amy and I just saw one of the county commissioners this morning, Dick Stady, who came by Franklin to our office hours. And, you know, Congressman Auchincloss is, is given a lot of kudos to the town um, on these issues. And so um, we're hopeful over the next few years to try to put a dent in this issue and and try to do what we can within Franklin um, on mental health. And I'm not aware of many other communities, if any, who have spent this much ARPA funds, you know, on mental health related services of this night. Um, The boring part of the application, you know, was a half a million dollars relative to sewer improvements. I know it doesn't sound sexy uh, when we talk about uh, I&I infiltration um, and other stuff, but you know, it, 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 it's work that has to get done that the, the rate payers um, in town that pay into the sewer enterprise fund don't have to pay for. So right. um, it helps stabilize rates. And of course, uh, I'll kind of pass it over to Amy really quick, but because she really worked on this um, is $100,000 each for the food pantry um, and the safe coalition and the YMCA. Again, all public health, mental health related stuff, actually. Um, I yeah. think all of those organizations have seen an increase in demand. And so, um, you know, I'm really thankful that Amy was able to take that off my plate and be able to work with those organizations on that to, to expand some services. Yeah, we were, we were able to work with the county beforehand to ensure these funds um, would qualify for, for county opera funds. And um, we're really happy to be able to provide $100,000 each to uh, the Y, the Food Pantry, and um, the Safe Coalition, you know, really for all these public health services that they've been providing. And they're just seeing a significant uptick, you know, throughout the pandemic and then now, you know, mm-hmm. after the pandemic. So uh, hopefully this funding will go a long way in helping, you know, the needs that they're seeing. I think it's uh, a lot of our listeners may uh, may know but may not know uh we use so many of these harpa what's harpa where's where, where's that money come from and uh again uh correct me if i'm wrong jamie i think it's the american rescues plan act you got it mr chair nailed it what it stands mm-hmm. for uh and basically it's from the uh pandemic uh, uh, and these are dollars that are out there uh, that were available to the communities. And 
Uh, I do have to applaud the efforts of our administration, Jamie, Amy, and all the department heads for being on top of this from the very, very beginning and getting our applications into the county at the very start of this. And uh, in our, as Jamie alluded to, uh, one of the county commissioners came to office hours this morning, and as I was talking to him, he was just plotting the uh, Frank, that Franklin community for being so prepared to apply for these opera funds and getting these funds approved because the way, and it's very convoluted, but uh, some communities in the state were able to just go forward. Others have to work through the county because we're a county, we're within a county. We have to go through this, the county. So that's what Amy's been working with, uh, making sure that all of these fit within the criteria that uh, uh, the opera funds, how the opera funds are to be spent. And, you know, there are communities out there, and we had this discussion this morning, that haven't done their done the work, haven't put in the money for, or haven't put in the applications because they, for one reason or another. Mm. So there are dollars that are still out there that at some point, the I believe it's next year. By the end of next year, the county uh, the uh, county has to spend these dollars, and they they will go back to some of the communities that had uh, requests that exceeded what that community was to be allowed. So there's a chance, slim as it may, but we're ready and have applications ready to be put in so that if any of this additional money becomes available, we're at the top of the list. Did I explain that right, Jamie? You nailed it. And, um, you know, again, it goes back to Congress and Auckland class last year, Tom, when he said, you know, the town of Franklin is spending this money exactly the way Congress intended. Um, and, um, you know, I think, one of the things that just separated us was just the strategy to say, we're not going to sit around and like talk about this all day. Um, the, the regs were clear. There wasn't a lot of categories. Let's just, let's just, let's just go get it done. And now we're in a position that um, by June, I think he said, Tom, um, yes. I think it's June. They're not going to accept any more applications. And so, you know, I think, next summer we'll know what county money is remaining that other communities in Norfolk County haven't applied for. And the county is going to start to redistribute, distribute that to the communities that have already applied for their maximum allotment. So uh, puts us in a position to get more money than what we were even allocated through the federal law, um, which is just great for, for everybody in the, in the community. Yeah, and as a resident and taxpayer, I fully understand from my view, but anybody Thanks, who Steve. is a resident and taxpayer, even if they don't fully understand, it helps yeah. us, period. <laughs> That's right. It's That's free right. money to that extent, so might as well. Yeah, and kudos to all the departments, the U.S. Center, for one, being on it all the time, and then being prepared, executing it, checking it out to make sure the application doesn't get rejected. And now we're in a position to, oh, by the way, get some more. There's nothing wrong with yeah. that by any means. No, no, it's, Quick it's little a good anecdote, sure. one of my conversations with the food pantry, since they moved into their new building, 
in the first like three to four months, they had already had new applications exceeding the entire 2022 year because of the one new building and its new appearance. It really brought the presence of the food pantry. Oh, we have one here. Let's go. And clearly the needs had risen, but now as well, the word had spread that, oh, by the way, go, they will help you. So kudos to the pantry. Um, but kudos as well. They're getting some funds like safe. I mean, we we could spend hours on it, but yeah. yes, watch the video <laughs> to catch them a little more details. But um yeah. it's good money going in good places for sure. Absolutely. And then you get into some of the other business. You had a couple of bylaws up for the second reading. So these were waived in terms of the reading because it's already been fully discussed and vetted. But now the snow bylaw, which was here, went away, is now back. And then the fees for the mattresses increased because as Brutus and others have said as a couple of the meetings, um, it's a problem. <laughs> and yeah. instead of coming later and saying, oh, by the way, we need more, let's just raise the fees to make sure that you know we can pay as we go. Those who use it need to, uh, you know, cover those costs and it not be spread out across the entire community where somebody may not uh, use the recycling center or whatever to get rid of the uh, mattresses. And the snow bylaw is something that uh, uh, we've gone back and forth on uh, just in my tenure on the council. You know, uh, it was in, it was out, and now it's back again, modified, but back again. We're putting a little more uh, uh, onto the uh, business owners, uh, property owners downtown to clear some of the uh, sidewalks during uh, some of the snowstorms. So uh, this is something that the council gone back and forth on and not everybody is in agreement uh, some people think it's just a it's a initial step a first step of uh even becoming a little bit more stringent others feel we should leave it like it was so uh again it's always going to be the case uh with uh, uh this snow bylaw as to where the emphasis is understand people need to walk people need to drive uh and there's only so many uh dpw workers and uh snow plowers out there to get it done so we have to set the priorities so i, I think this is a good start uh a good change or adjustment so that let's see how this works and if it needs to be tweaked we can tweak it going forward and I thought it was also a really good compromise, Tom. I think you just yeah. said it, you know, there was a variety of views, right? And yeah. I think the focus really came down to, hey, the sidewalks on 140 from from one side to the next, uh, and also the what I always refer to as the triangle downtown, you know, were really the highlights. And I think yeah. those are the main arteries that people are were looking to keep clean. And I think Councillor Frangilla spoke really well to this um, during the many debates, is just trying to, change the culture of Franklin mm -hmm. to be what kind of closer to what Councillor Pellegri, I think, spoke to last night, which is people really look out after one another in Franklin. And that's a great thing. And the power outages this week showed that. 
but when it comes to snow and ice, you know, um, you know, as we kind of come out of the pandemic and people are, are um, redoing their lives. I mean, I think, you know, to not have anything on the books, especially on 140 in downtown near the train stations, um, you know, is a really good compromise and a good step forward to try to have that culture of like, hey, we're all in this together. The DPW cannot literally do it all. We need some others to chip in. I thought it was a, I thought it was a long debate, boss. Uh, it was, took a long yeah. time, but um, For sure. But I think everybody came around at the end and thought that that was the best plan to, to move forward. And we'll see how it works and we'll try to educate the community. And just to be clear, I got to speak to the tickets and the fines because people, right, Tom, they're always concerned yeah. about the. We're not out to fine people. I mean, people have to realize that there may be a fine in the bylaw, but that's not what this is about. Um, and Brutus has said numerous times he's never given someone a ticket on this issue. Yeah. So we're just trying to get people to help each other out. Exactly. Exactly. It's kind of like the big stick. I know, by the way, it'd be nice if the stick became a shovel so you could actually help somebody with it. <laughs> <laughs> How about that for a segue? I was thinking, too, there were a few other uh, relatively minor, respectfully, obviously business. But um, given the time, let's just spend reviewing 2023, because as we started, it's it's already gone. And you get off to a bang with January 3rd, and you're already starting to look at the goals and objectives for the next two years. Uh, absolutely. And uh, I spoke to it briefly at the end of our uh, meeting last night. Uh, you know, I just can't say enough positive things for our administration, uh, the council, our department heads, all of our employees. We put a set of goals together in 2022 uh, that uh, I know Jamie and I looked at when we when we finished the goal setting and we looked at it and said, how the heck are we ever going to get all this done? And uh, not that we got 100% of it done, but we addressed every single one of the goals. And in most cases, we accomplished, completed, accomplished and completed all of them. So, and that's just kudos to everybody, uh, the council working with the administration, the administration working with the department heads, the department heads working with our employees. And it's just, I can't say it enough, it's a thank you uh, to every single one of them for all they did to help us accomplish these goals. As long as I've been on council, I've never seen uh, the goals, as many goals set and accomplished in a two-year term. Mm -hmm. So, but now it's off to work again in <laughs> January, setting the next two years. <laughs> <laughs> Time flies when you're having fun. Um, yeah, it sure does. You know, I mean, we got to, you know, I pinch myself every day with, and I think Amy recognizes this too, um, you know, we just have a amazing staff. Um, our department heads are, are almost pretty much CEO quality across the board. You know, we have a, a town council and a planning board and a school committee and a board of assessors and a board of health that all work really well with one another. Um, it's when I look at the world and I look at Massachusetts, there's a lot of fracture. There's a lot of deceit. 
people don't like each other, whatever the situations are. And, you know, I think we're all very fortunate, very blessed um, to have one another and be able to work on the same team. And, um, you know, I'm just very grateful. And as, you know, the team gets better, you know, Amy's here now. We've hired a lot of other folks, Kevin Harn and facilities, and we've been able to chip away at some of the staff related issues and build some more capacity. And um, with that, unfortunately, uh, Tom comes more goals next year with more people, uh, which is certainly making me sweat a little bit because I look at the list and it's a lot. But, um, you know, I think it also is one of those things that, um, you know, the citizens are all um, and residents are really supportive of, of our staff and no more really on display this week with the power outages. Um, you know, I was stunned at how few complaints and calls and yelling and screaming there was about power outages. I mean, we really got nothing. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that residents saw what was going on. They trusted our teams, um, you know, and, and pretty much most of the power was restored within uh, 24 to 36 hours. So um, just very grateful as I head into the holiday weekend and uh, just very blessed that we have uh, able to work within the community that we do. I think the part of that is from a resident perspective, never mind just my being aware of being a reporting, but to National Grid and to the DPW in particular and to administration for really forcing to a certain extent, but making sure that they did their tree plan. Imagine what would have happened if they had not spent the last three or four years doing the tree trimming, doing the upgrades. We probably would have been in a much more serious and probably still not be able to record today with, without power. Right, so. And no not question. only that, Steve, no also the also the investments the community has made in, in stormwater for 20 years. Yeah. The investments the community has made in water mains. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll, I'll go out on a little limb and say this, but um, some people may not be always thrilled if they get to this portion of the show. But, you know, at the end of the day, there's really one way we're going to handle climate change. And... And it's really about infrastructure. Um, you know, we can spend trillions of dollars to try to cool the planet. It's probably really not going to work to the fullest level that we hope. But when you see what's going on in Attleboro, North Attleboro, Lemonster this year, flooding all over the place, mm-hmm. bridges down, um, you know, sinkholes, you know, knock on wood. I mean, Franklin really has done a really amazing job over the decades. Well before I was here, you know, the council's previous, Jeff Nutting you know, Brutus, Mike D'Angelo, and just being able to make sure that they're ahead of the game on this um, because we really didn't have any major problems with a storm where we got, what, four inches of rain within like, you know, 10 hours or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Amy and I drive through a lot of other communities and I know Brutus does as well. And Tom drives into Rhode Island. Um, you know, I, I, it's just not like this everywhere else. Um, they have a lot of bigger problems. And I think the town's done a great job for years to invest in its own infrastructure. No question. Yeah, we have a lot to be grateful for. Yeah. For sure. It's not perfect. We know that, but that's okay. And as you've said, you know, it's a good team. And I certainly have enjoyed working with all of you over the years as well. So, yeah, for the listeners, uh, on behalf of them, I'll thank you for doing what you do and wish you all uh, happy holiday season, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, um, and then we'll be back at it as soon as, as soon as you've rested up a little bit and hopefully had no snow to take away from those rest periods. 
Yeah, well, 14 days from now, we'll be working on it. So, <laughs> <laughs> No days off, Steve. No, no days, days off. off, right. <laughs> well, thank you again for taking time. Enjoy the holidays with you and yours. And for the listeners, final reminder, we do this because Franklin matters. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tin Type Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy it. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.